Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Hatchack Heroes. My name is Nick and today, as promised, we're chatting with a previous guest from just two episodes ago. She was crew with Emirates from 2004 to 2012. She's an online fashion reseller, reselling products from the artisans in the Philippines. And she is also Mrs. Eco International 2019. Wow, I'm speaking to a professional worldly beauty queen. This is Sheila. Welcome. How are you today? Hi, Nick. I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. Nice to have you. Previously, we spoke predominantly about your work in Denver, mostly, uh, for Mm -hmm. your, what would you call a volunteerism work with Bella Boutique, who do the uh, dresses for prom nights. And also, Mm -hmm. we spoke about your work with Dress for Success, which is for ladies who are trying to get their way back into the workforce, both underprivileged type of women. Um, so now we're going to talk a bit more about your work that's come about from being Mrs. Eco International. You're obviously no stranger to being in the public eye, specifically in the area of modelling. Has this been something that was helpful in your pursuit of uh, helping the people who are less fortunate or environmental kind of things, sustainability with, with the whole eco concept? Well, you know, as a model, we get casting requests or booking requests through our agents. And you are usually judged by the way you look. And you get hired because you fit the brand or you embody what the brand is What about. they're looking for, yeah, okay. Yeah, but there have been a few cases that I was actually hired because of my volunteering work. Okay. Yeah, and I was able to do a video for the hashtag Giving Tuesday campaign a few years ago. And I'm not sure if uh, your listeners are aware, in the U.S., that is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Okay. Or Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Oh, Oh, so there's like a whole week of it. Much. Well, yeah, so it's like the run-up to Giving Tuesday because, as you know, in the U.S., Black Friday and Cyber Monday are the biggest sale days. Yeah. Yeah, no, people are starting to shop the, for Christmas. Crazy days, yeah. Yes. So this is their feel-good day. So okay. this is like the big push for right. nonprofits all over the country to be able to raise funds for their programs. Okay, so they're out and about in the shops or... Well, it's, um, it's online. Oh, okay. So people donate through the website and mm. the different nonprofits promote their hashtag Giving Tuesday campaign. So okay. I was part of a video for that. Oh, okay. I didn't see the final video actually, but when we were shooting that, I kind of started tearing up. You know, like as oh. you share your story, your volunteering story, and then they ask you why. Why do you volunteer? Why do you give your time? So yeah. I guess it. They found it touching that, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I was speaking from my heart. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's actually an amazing opportunity for me to be mm. able to, like, share my volunteering. And a few months ago, actually, I got a request as well for, like, submission for a Facebook story. Based upon yeah, so yourself? Yeah, lo- kind of, because they, they were looking for, like, people who give back yeah, okay. to the community. Mm. Being in the public eye and being mm-hmm. Mrs. Eco International has really given you like a, a bedrock, I guess, for having at least the ability to get your face out there and to promote the mm-hmm. non-profits that you're passionate about, which, which is the main thing. Whether, you, whether they take you for a specific job or not, it's the fact mm-hmm. that you have that grounding to be able to spread whatever word it is that you want to spread to the relevant people. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so that's, that's it does the main help. thing. Yeah, of course, that's the main thing, really. I mean, it you know you see all these commercials on telly or whatever where it's a famous person mm-hmm. that's promoting or has their face to a certain whether it's a product, whether it's a non-profit as well or mm-hmm. some kind of charity. That face is what people relate to, and that's where they feel start to feel comfortable about giving to a certain charity or uncomfortable as it might go as well. But, you know, the fact that, I guess, eco internationally, it's, it's very prevalent in, the, in today's society with all the things mm-hmm. on climate change and plastics and so forth. Yes. Now, you're a climate reality leader. Can you tell us more about what that is and the kind of things that, that you were doing, I guess, in regards to sustainability and so forth? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so Climate Reality Leadership Corps was founded by former U.S. Vice President Al Gore. And um, it's a global network of people who are campaigning for climate action. And I was trained actually this year in their first ever virtual global training because um, of COVID-19, all travel and in-person trainings have been canceled. So they decided to go virtual. And in the process, it became a bigger training because normally I think they would train about a thousand people per session. I was supposed to do the Las Vegas training in March. Okay. And then that was like the cusp or, you know, the beginning of... When it all started, COVID. When it all started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, okay, we'll postpone Vegas and we can transfer our training slot to the later training. So I applied for Orlando. I was trained July and it was for a week. And even okay. if it was virtual, it was intensive. It was like a whole week of sessions online and yeah. on-demand courses. And um, we have our mentor. Right. We would meet every night okay. and we would do training sessions and writing sessions and yeah. doing our assignments. And we would submit that so in order for us to complete the program and uh, be certified Okay, okay. What kind of topics are they specifically? Mm-hmm. Is it scientific kind of stuff or is it just practical and how you can um, persuade and, and talk and, and relate to people in regards to that topic? Or It's a little of both, actually. Yeah. And sometimes when you talk to people about climate change, they just glaze over. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh no, here's one of them. Yeah, I see, I see. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, you know, when you have a climate story, you can actually make the topic relatable for people. Right. And especially coming from the Philippines, we have a huge climate story. Yeah, so you can talk about the the, the storms and the... Mm -hmm. Yes, and being in Colorado as well, it's the same thing because we've been battling wildfires every summer that gets bigger and lasts longer. Can you give us an example of Mm -hmm. um, what you might talk about in regards to these wildfires in Colorado, for example? Mm -hmm. Well, we've been in the news like, oh, okay. you know, the past, the past few months. But California is always, you know, at the top of people's minds when it comes yeah. to wildfires. Yeah. Because California fires are much bigger than ours. And around the same time, the Colorado fires were raging as well. Yeah, okay. And one of our fires was just ex- extinguished early, no- um, well, oh, December. So from August, August, September, okay. October, November, December, five months. So it was extinguished in December. Oh, now, that's yeah, isn't it cold early now? December. Yes, but we've had a few snowstorms, mm. and the thing is, with snow, when it blankets a forest fire, it acts like an insulation. If it's not stirred into the ground, it just covers, and then the embers are just there. Oh, and then once the snow is gone and you have the trifecta again, you have fuel, you have wind and the dry climate, that strikes up again and yeah, okay. restarts the fire. Wow, yeah. so it's been basically doing that since August through till now. Yeah, no, well, it, it's finally finished, yeah, yeah, finished, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is scary really yeah. because uh, Colorado is a dry climate and we get our moisture from the snowpack and we're getting less and less every year. A lot of states downstream mm. from the Colorado River depend on our waters. So okay. I'm not sure if you've heard the Colorado River doesn't reach the ocean anymore. I didn't even know. <laughs> I'm ignorant with American geography. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> the uh, Colorado River. So that's obviously from mm-hmm. Colorado, I guess, which is Midwest. Yeah. Is that Midwest? Yeah, slightly no? Midwest. Okay. And then that goes yeah. south? Or? It goes uh, west to California, the, all the way down to California. Oh, okay. And, but, but it doesn't it go doesn't, anymore. But it stops now. It doesn't, it doesn't reach. It's, just, it's dried up. Wow. Uh, yeah. By the time it gets to California, it's pretty dry because wow. it's heavily allocated by all the states that it goes through. Right. I see. So mm-hmm. it's all used. Your goal for learning about all this stuff at this uh, course mm-hmm. and you know, then to talk about this kind of stuff, where do you want to get the information to and 
what kind of information are you trying to get across? Okay, I didn't think actually that I would be able to attend this training because I'm not a scientist. I don't have a science background. And I, I did have experience with public relations, mm. media, but I wasn't that confident like in myself that I am fit to even apply for this training. But as a Mississippi International Queen, this was part of my, I guess, price package when I right. won the pageant. They were um, going to pay for my trip to go to the training. Oh, okay. Of course, you know, subject to being accepted to the program. Mm. So I still have to apply. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, and then I applied and I guess they liked what they saw because I was accepted into the program. And I was given this opportunity because I'm an environmental queen and it, the crown kind of helped me gain confidence to go for this training. And yeah. even like I was talking to my mentor and I told him I wasn't supposed to be on this path. Mm. I wasn't supposed to compete actually um, last year for this pageant. And I think it just, you know, happened to be my destiny. Just to, I guess, travel back in time a little bit, this mm -hmm. whole Beauty Queen thing, was this a thing that you'd already thought, I really want to be some kind of Beauty Queen? Or no. was it just like a <laughs> random thing that came up and then the eco part came from, from there? From right? that, yeah. Well, I grew up in the Philippines. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you realize or your listeners realize that Filipinos are the biggest pageant fans. Well, now. Yeah. But back in the day when I was growing up, you know, there were, there were beauty pageants. I would watch them on TV, modeling mm. competitions. But I never thought I would actually be on stage someday mm. until I was discovered at 16 years old in a mall. And somebody approached me and he's like, do you want to be a model? And I looked at him. I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I was like, you know, first year college, I came from a small rural town and I was in Manila for studies. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I've never been like, you know, I never really considered myself model material. And sure, I was tall, but I didn't see myself, you know, like the girls that I would see in magazines or doing fashion shows yeah. or beauty pageants. Yeah, and I was never considered beautiful. Because with Filipinos, they still have this concept that beauty queens are supposed, they have a mold, they have a, a certain look that, you know, they're more fair skinned. And I didn't fit that. Even if I work with designers or casting directors, nobody really asked me if I wanted to join a beauty pageant so I was never scouted and then I started modeling in Singapore as well and same thing you know they would tell me to stay out of the sun so I won't get dark really yeah and then I went to Dubai with Emirates and I fully embraced my being morena or brown skin we have access to the beach yeah. all the time and the pool so it's like yeah, yeah I'm, I was celebrating my being Filipino and by then it was too, uh, too late for pageants or so I thought and I was volunteering with Bella Boutique and then the founder was like have you ever thought of joining a pageant me no. <laughs> so I told her, yeah, I, I'm a model, so I can do runway, I can project, but I'm not sure if I'm really equipped to do, you know, presenting myself on stage because I yeah, hated I public speaking. Yeah, okay. And that's, you meant to and do that, of that is aren't you? part of it. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so as a queen, you have to do public speaking. And yeah, then okay. during pageants, you have closer interviews, you have on stage questions. So I joined my first pageant at 44. Wow. And I placed third runner up that time. And then that gave me the opportunity to compete in China, where I competed among 65 women and I placed top six. That's amazing. So that was, thank you. That was my first foray into pageantry. And yeah. I thought that was it. I'm like, I'm good. I, I tried it. I can do volunteer work even without the crown, you know, mm. moving forward. What do you do with your experience is totally up to you. Yeah. Yeah. You can continue on volunteering yeah. and doing community work or you can just stop. 
like some people do. But something gave and you the bug. You wanted to go back. I'm guessing. Well, <laughs> kinda. Yeah, but the okay. thing is, I well, I actually competed with a broken foot in China. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I had a Liz Frank injury, and I was wearing my boot during rehearsals. No. And I wore wedges for the shows. Right, so it'd be easier because, than the letters. Yes, yeah, okay. definitely. Good thing they let me wear them. And when I came back from China, I had surgery. Right. So I was like, yeah, I'll just rest, take it easy, until I got the call to possibly join Mexico International. But I'm like, well, you know what? I still have my cast. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if I would be ready. And... So I told them, well, I have to talk to my surgeon because it takes a while. It takes yeah. a few months before yeah, okay. you, you know you can be ready to wear high heels after physical therapy, surgery, and whatnot. Yeah. And so I talked to him, and he's like, "Yeah, you'd be, you'll be good. So, okay. so you can compete. So yeah, I, I actually did wear high heels in cool. Las Vegas, yeah. June 2019. Okay, and that's the year you you. You won Miss Zico. I won, yes. yeah. And that was your stepping stone to being a fully-fledged volunteer slash Miss Zico International. I'm going to Beauty rock the Queen, world yes. my, my eco everything. Sustainability advocacy. Yeah. yeah. And so you yeah. mentioned before you, you received prizes for mm-hmm. winning. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've got random stuff as well, but you also got yeah. stuff to do with pursuing the eco pathway yes what did definitely that, what did so that, that involve that opened more doors for me because even as Mendes Eco Philippines I was able to work with different organizations back home okay and even the nonprofits that I worked with before they may have an environmental component in their advocacy but I couldn't really promote that part okay. because the pageant that was competing was had a different platform Right. So it's more like women empowerment, helping women and children and stuff. So, But with Mississippi International, I was able to make my advocacy more well-rounded. Oh, okay. So I can advocate for anything, almost anything now. So environmentalism, ah, okay. which actually focuses also on sustainability. And sustainability is not only just the environment, but it's also social and economic sustainability. Oh, I see. And all these tie into the health of our environment. So for me, it's not like I'm not discounting all the other platforms, but when you advocate for the environment, it encompasses everything. And that gave me the confidence to reach out to more organizations, but even here in the U.S. So I get to work with my local government, the elected officials, my... My city, more nonprofits. Really spread your wings and get out there and to really definitely focus on what your passion is. I guess. Yes. And your passion is there anything specific or in particular within the environment that mm-hmm. is your focus? Is it plastic or fashion still or something else? Well, I do a little of almost everything. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, but pr- primarily my campaign is reduce the uh, use of uh, single-use plastic and um, also sustainability in fashion. I had a quick look before and I just went to a website mm-hmm. which was Mrs. Eco International pushes for ban on single-use plastic as the headline, <laughs> which is quite quite cool. That was, I think, a, a Filipino yeah, art- it was article. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fostering environmental conservation awareness mm-hmm. through activities over there. So that's that's amazing. So you've been a beauty queen. Mm-hmm. Now you've also made the next step from that and you have been a judge. Being a judge, does it give you more opportunity to speak to people and be a mentor to the new potential queens, the new contestants coming through and to pass on a message well the thing is when you're a judge in a pageant you see the candidates towards the end of their journey or their preparation for the title and so some of these girls have been in the system for years or at least a year right or maybe a few months okay so we see them at pageant week and back in the day without social media. So you don't really see a lot of their activities or maybe if they have contacts with the press, then you will probably see some of their community work or volunteer work. But as a judge, you really just see them at the end, at pageant week. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And so mentoring 
is not really part of that program because no, they have their own mentors they have their state directors who guide them well 2020 is a different story though yeah because this actually probably the second time i only judged the pageant and with 2020 we had to pivot we had to go virtual so prior to our zoom interviews with the candidates we watched their videos their introductory video modeling videos swimwear videos to give us an idea who they are yeah yeah and and this is for miss earth usa 2020 and we didn't know actually who won until the telecast oh okay so you know as judges we submitted our scores Ah, and then they, and then yeah, they, yeah, okay. And then they asked us for our top five, and then we watched the telecast online, and that's when we found out who won. Wow, Everybody found out yeah. at the same time, yeah. yeah. And so Lindsay Coffey was crowned Miss Earth USA 2020. Then she eventually went on to compete for Miss Earth, uh, which was also a virtual pageant, and on. Miss Earth's twentieth uh, anniversary. For the first time, Miss Earth USA won the title of Miss Earth. Do you, do you see your yourself in any of the girls, or like in the sense of their passion, or do you think mm -hmm. there are girls that are just don't have the passion in them, or and it's just a bit of a thing to be in the the pageant? Well, the thing is, yes, I I do see myself in them because I've been in their shoes. So being on this side of the competition as a judge can look at the girls and I empathize with them you know being under pressure to perform on yeah, stage in the different yeah different categories like swimwear evening gown casual wear and then the question and answer and still being able to deliver and you know answer confidently and you can tell what kind of person they are okay. if they're really passionate and they really have sincere heart and advocacy yeah whether yes. they'll be an ambassador in the right way kind of thing yeah. yes so basically yeah we are looking for the girl who best embodies the brand and the advocacy and yeah. especially if she is going to compete internationally if she is somebody who will embody the brand and the country yeah i see and how she can cut through the different platforms and and the noise basically yeah. because you know when it comes to pageants some girls have been through different systems and they have in their head i have to look this way that they don't come out as authentic because i guess it can be looked at i mean people that aren't involved in in this kind of thing in the modeling world mm -hmm. and have maybe contempt for the modeling world might just see it as, excuse the ironicness of the word, but it, they see it as a plastic kind of thing that, oh, this mm -hmm. girl's just whatever, she, it's so stupid, it's silly, it's whatever, but really deep down, there is something behind it, which, you know, yes, you hope especially, that a girl would embody. Yeah, with, especially with queens, because yeah. you have a responsibility. And yeah, that's right. Okay, it may be cliche, but with the crown comes responsibility. Yeah. And I've seen some girls who are just chasing the crown. They yeah. just want the crown. And then after they win it, that's it. They don't um, use it for good. I think that's or... the perception that people on the outside get because they see mm -hmm. that girl that's just wants it for the show and that's it. Yeah. But really, yeah. there's much and more to it. Yeah, so it's a lot of hard work. I gained a healthier respect for queens who are actually doing the work yeah cool now that i became a queen myself yeah, because you appreciate it's it. i do appreciate the hard work and to see all these girls doing their very best yeah that's it in helping their communities yeah. really helping their communities i mean generally it's and not it's not financial at all so no you know it's a, a girl has to do this off their own back to really gain nothing in return mm -hmm. for themselves except for the fact of maybe satisfaction of of enhancing their environment or influencing the people around them as a queen you realize your potential yeah yeah okay so it's that more, you it's can a mental thing as well, it's a mental thing it's a confidence thing yeah i guess it goes back to working with bella boutique how the girls mm -hmm. see themselves in that dress once they've mm -hmm. chosen that perfect dress they're just like yeah oh, i can achieve anything this. Yeah, I can do that. I, I don't have to be inside my shell anymore. What would you say are the most precious memories that you've gained from your experiences with the mm -hmm. pageant work, with the fashion world, and with your ambassadorships 
etc. Mm-hmm. Well, oh my gosh, a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Let's narrow down your top three. Let's go with that. Otherwise, we'll be here for hours. Top three. I know, on, right? Top three. top three. Okay. Being able to work with underprivileged women, children, and youth, and also campaigning for worker rights, environmental awareness. And I can say walking in New York Fashion Week on my 46th birthday. Wow, that's something that other, not just women, but other people can aspire to in life. Any more memories? Just being able to share my talent yeah. in modeling, helping, um, as, as I told you, not just as a stylist, but also walking for fashion shows. And it was like a couple years ago, I actually flew to Vancouver um, to do one of the offshoot fashion shows of Vancouver Fashion Week called uh, Shine No Stigma. It's a fashion show in support of mental health and we raise over 100,000 Canadian dollars. Goodness, that's impressive. Now, I guess one of my questions was to do with, with the fashion because you had lots of mm-hmm. fashion involvement with obviously Dress for Success and Bella Boutique. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is what people are focusing upon trying to be sustainable with fashion these days? Well, when I was starting out in modeling, all the fashion shows I did, so basically the designers create collections. So these are handmade and bespoke. Small, small sort of ranges and so forth. Yeah, so yeah. these are slow fashion. So that was my exposure to that side of it. Right. And sustainability in fashion wasn't a byword at the time. But over the years, with fast fashion, it's, oh my gosh, I can't, it's, you know, with the consumption, with the drive for people to wear something new after they wore once, and it's been taken, it's been photographed, Uh, so it's Instagrammed already, so they're like, I don't want to wear that again, and they they buy it so cheap, and that's why it's called disposable fashion. This is not good for the environment at all, is it? It's not, because um, the mere production, I mean, well, okay, let's backtrack. With fast fashion, a lot of the brands, the high street brands, they they churn out about 10, at least 10 collections a year. And with that turnaround, so a lot of steps are bypassed or environmental steps are bypassed. Just because of the money and to get it out quickly. Yes, and they pay their workers practically nothing yeah i don't know if you if you've seen this there's a movie out you'd probably find it quite interesting actually it's i i think it's actually just a fictional movie but it's it's called greed i actually saw it on a flight just recently Mm. and it's based upon a character uh in the uk who's Mm -hmm. he becomes the king of the high street kind of thing and it's a story of him starting out as uh, a youngster and getting himself into fashion as a, just a helper type of thing and then a buyer and he's mm-hmm. just a hard hard salesperson that mm. if someone will say i'll give you oh you can buy this many pieces for one thousand pounds he'll be like mm-hmm. no, i'll give you 200 like that and so he was just <laughs> driving this low cost and mm-hmm. then obviously he had to maintain this and so he gets himself into i think it was Sri Lanka in the movie and you know getting the cheap labor and so forth and it's mm-hmm. basically a movie about him being totally uh irresponsible for sustainability for mm-hmm. money for workers rights that kind of thing and just so he can progress his multiple businesses in fashion mm-hmm. uh, and he went through loads of different companies and it's a great movie and it's sort of talking about or well, the movie's based about him when he's having his 60th birthday so it's a look back upon his life Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's, it's actually a bit of a... It's actually a comedy, like a dark comedy. And at the yeah, very end... I can he, imagine. I, yeah, and at the very end, mm-hmm. there's a very uh, dark ending for this man. But it's quite funny. But it's a great story. People should really watch it because it does paint a bit of a picture about the way that fashion is done by a lot of these mm-hmm. big companies. Yeah, and I never really expected it. You know, you, you would hear when people would go to Dhaka... And you'd go to the markets, and these are all export overruns from high street retailers. And you don't really think how they can produce items so cheap until, you know, a few years ago with all the accidents that happened and fires and all these factories are 
you know, gaining more traction in media. And it's actually up to us, all, all of us, like the consumers, to make brands accountable. Yeah, to eat the stock like how to from make, them or... Yes, definitely. Yeah. And making their supply chains more transparent. Because unfortunately, with all the moving parts in fashion, people can hide the dark sides of it. And I guess you as a, an ambassador, is it mm-hmm. something that you will speak about when you do your talks or present- presentations mm-hmm. at events? Well, it depends, actually. If I get invited to speak at conferences or forums, I would ask them, so what's the theme? Yeah. And they would talk to me and tell me, well, you can talk about what you're comfortable with. And so I would tailor my talk based on the theme and the, the profile of the attendees. Yeah, I see. Yeah. But I've given talks on sustainability in fashion um, through Poshmark. That's one of the platforms I sell in. This year, I spoke at Poshfest. That's their annual fashion convention yeah. on sustainability. Do you think it's something that when people hear you talk about it, they take mm-hmm. it on board and actually think, oh, okay, now it's time for me to make a change in my spending habits or where I shop, etc. Yeah, well, we actually support um, making fashion circular. What do you mean by circular? In the platform. So basically, like we try not to send items to landfills. So we encourage our users to sell items from their closets. Yeah, I see. Actually, this, this relates back to a previous episode with Mm-hmm. A girl called Diana. She's ex-crew with Emirates as well. And mm. she was doing a lot of plastic recycling in Dubai. And she spoke mm-hmm. about the size of landfills and how they're just becoming huge. And mm-hmm. it's just not sustainable in the, in the long run. No, it won't. And, you know, land is something that we're running out of as well because of uh, development. We lose green spaces because new villages or new communities are being built. And landfills are something that we have to curb the increase. And that that comes back to our individual and personal consumption. So that's why we try to make a fashion circular and educate people. A lot of clothes and shoes and accessories actually end up in landfills. And with fast fashion, these are cheaply made because they're made with fabrics that are man-made. And they are usually made from petrochemicals. So they last forever. So it's like plastic. Plastic is also a byproduct of uh, petrochemicals. So it's going to last forever in the ground or on that person. Yeah. So you're better off just re-giving it to someone else. But how can people not? realize that this is an option it's an obvious option for me it's probably well lack of awareness and um, people yes it's really strange even in this day and age of the internet that people can just search or research for anything they they still don't get themselves educated and better informed about the choices they make it's like they're in a bubble in a sense yeah and there used to be a stigma with thrift shopping Oh, and of course, I mean, I never used to go to op shops that often, but still, mm-hmm. not, not to buy, but I mean, I have never thrown away clothing based upon the fact that either, whether it's a friend or a, someone in the neighborhood that needs it, or there's a, like an op shop that can take it, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's always that around. So it was always something I knew of that was available. And so I just mm-hmm. make the most of it. Do you yeah. think the actual clothing brands are trying to make a difference in the sense of education as well? and trying to do the right thing? Well, some brands are actually at the forefront yeah, okay. of sustainability. They make sure that their processes, their supply chains are accountable. Yeah, and okay. they have the proper certifications. Do you have some names that you could name drop to sort of maybe head people in a certain direction mm-hmm. so they can be like, oh, I'm going to go buy from them now? Go on. Well, a lot <laughs> of actually the outdoor brands, these are the people or they're their users are actually outdoors people that they right. go to camping. the Himalayas. Oh, yeah, okay, camping. Okay. So these are people who are exposed to the environment. Yeah, I see. So they cater to that market, Patagonia, Cotopaxi. So these are what they are called superstars <laughs> in sustainability. And a lot of boutique brands from different countries, when somebody wants to start out a brand, they already think of sustainability from right. the get-go. Not like the established um, high street brands who are fast fashion supporters 
and then they're trying to greenwash their brand. So there are a few. If um, your listeners would be interested, they can go to remake.world and they can find the 2020 Transparency Report. So they have the the Rockstar brands and then um, they have the Offenders. Ah, I see. So it's there for everyone to see. Yes. So these are what the brands are putting out there so it's just a matter of collating that for the public to be able to see i've got my little t-shirt thing that i do and i so far i've i've tried to keep the products that i get eco but it's difficult but i've just mm-hmm. found a company called stanley stella a load of their stuff is basically it's sustainable fabrics it's there's another thing they quoted here on the website it says join our path to sustainability from words mm-hmm. to action so it's practicing what they preach i guess which is great mm-hmm. I guess that's what a load of the companies need to start doing to actually, mm-hmm. you know, it's being preached. People know about it. People want to become more sustainable. Let's actually do it to start making positive inroads into the future, I guess you might put it. Yes. So that's why we have to make our voices heard and, you know, through social media, through their bottom lines. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If people stop buying from um, the fast fashion brands, Mm -hmm. then they would really sit up and listen. And some of the fast fashion brands have their eco brands, their sustainability lines, just so they can say that they are sustainable. But they probably cost a lot more as well, though, don't they? Well, it depends, really. But unfortunately, sometimes the process may be a little more expensive. And materials recovery is an issue as well. And even here in the U.S., it's been felt. Because a lot of recyclable materials just sit in warehouses. So it goes back for us, minimizing our waste output. Yeah. So using more reusables. And just because it's recyclable it doesn't mean it moves on i guess if everyone takes care of their own backyard Mm -hmm. then it's going to make a difference overall you you reuse or or give to someone Mm re-give the shops aren't going to have a sale which is then going to obviously affect their bottom line so that circle is incomplete from the shop's point of view but it's complete Mm -hmm. in a sustainability perspective if everybody cared yeah of course it's easy to say but not easy to do so i mean if people can actually put it into action then i guess you'll see change yes so what else comes under the banner for you in particular about sustainability or sustainable living well i actually just started community eco group in my city okay cool and it was actually my project for the international climate action challenge 2020 and i came on board as an ambassador so i was helping them promote the the challenge because it's a 90-day event so from inception to like launch of a project you have 90 days wow okay that's a pretty quick turnaround and i started as an ambassador and then i joined as a mentor as well for sustainable fashion yeah and then i'm like why don't i try to be a challenger myself and see how i can do a project and I thought living in Colorado, it would be easy because a lot of people are environmentally aware and conscious. And I signed up as a challenger and I used social media, went on Facebook, went on Nextdoor and promoted that, you know, I'm trying to organize this eco group for the city of Golden and no response. Oh, okay. But even like I talked to some people in my neighborhood and they can commit to like one project. They can't commit to a group. I see. I'm like, okay. So I was starting to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was starting to lose hope. And I actually posted in Facebook, there's a Golden Neighbors and Friends group that I was part of. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well try. Okay. So I posted there and I got responses actually. Right. Okay, good. And yeah, so now we have a group and we are aiming to organize an Earth Day or Earth Week 2021 festival Cool. in our city next year, either virtual or in person. Sure. We will aim for that. And we aim to recruit more members in our city yeah. and 
promote zero to less waste and pollinator gardens, urban gardening, and supporting less um, chemical fertilizers and pesticides as well. Because living in developments, you're required to have a nice lawn. Oh. Yeah, and that takes water and chemicals to maintain yeah. Yeah, yeah. and but then um, we can talk to the leadership of developments and the city for them to support the organic ways to maintain our gardens and uh, promote more pollinator gardens because yeah. bees are threatened yeah. globally so if we can we can do that and uh, promote more sustainable living at the personal level Mm-mm. composting um, and all that as well composting yes i do yeah. compost myself so we we promote that we'll promote that and i yeah. we do have quite a few members from the colorado school of mines okay. which is a very uh, stem based school and um, these kids are excited and they wanted to connect with the community and be more involved aside from just being students in the school yeah so and these are engineering Mm. um, science-based degrees so it's like it's really nice having them and you know yeah yes and especially with the youth the youth activism is amazing and inspiring my next question was actually about education but mm-hmm. I guess the youngsters don't necessarily need the education. It's the people that are already set in their ways and the, the mm-hmm. older, older generation that have just lived the way they've lived yeah. and haven't had to really worry and so forth. But now they need to be, I guess, taught or spoken to them how they can do stuff because it's going to take more mm-hmm. than just the youngsters to improve the way we do things is that yeah it's it's all of us yeah one thing in regards to the environment is you're not Mm -hmm. one to shy away from the physical aspect of looking Mm -hmm. after the environment what kind of things have you done along those lines well prior to covid i would organize cleanups in parks or creeks or rivers or yeah. I would participate in cleanups myself and even if I'm traveling or I'm out of state I would do that I would seek opportunities for me to help when we traveled to Peru early this year mm. my husband and I we joined a tour group to the Rainbow Mountain near Cusco um, on the way up I would see all these candy wrappers protein bar wrappers on the trail water bottles i'm like oh my gosh this is rainbow mountain it's not a rainbow anymore (laughs) you know people would think they can just leave it so we went up the rain to the top of rainbow mountain and then we stay there for like maybe half an hour but on the way back i started picking up the rubbish and they they actually have rubbish bins but they just avoid that bother but people just Lazy. didn't bother. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I started picking up and then my husband's like, okay, that's the queen in you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the eco queen in me. The I'm like, queen, yeah. So yeah. I had to pick up and then usually I don't, you know, I don't want to be photographed. But this way I, I can make a statement. I can send a message. So yeah. I asked my husband, like, okay, honey, photo time. <laughs> I like how you insert the word honey. Like, I need a photo, honey. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? With the candy wrappers and picture of me like you know throwing it in the bin and I also talked to our tour guide when we got back to the van and I asked her is sustainability you know like proper waste management part of your brief and she said actually no so I, I suggested that and I wrote to Peru Tourism to suggest that their tour guides or tour operators should include waste management Thank in their you. orientation yeah. because once you throw or leave trash up there, um, it goes downstream. Yeah. Stopping trash from the beginning <laughs> might help. Saves, yeah. yeah, the energy later. Yeah, and yeah. it's plastic, so you know, it will save the environment, environment forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So activism, I guess, is part of me now wherever I go. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. We just finished a two-part Christmas concert. It's a virtual fundraiser for the Philippines called Saklolo 4. It was organized by the National Federation of Filipino-American Associations, Region 5. So that's Colorado, uh, Wyoming, North Dakota. It encompasses a few states. And uh, as of last week, we raised already um, over $9,000 for the virtual concert. So 
We're hoping to raise more, and these will be sent to the Philippines to help with disaster relief. Yeah, nice. So it still ties in, like with my modeling, mm. and still being able to help different advocacies and different organizations. Yeah, cool. I guess that's one thing happening. But what's coming up for you in the near future? Like for mm -hmm. non-profit ways and it. I'll still continue on with my environmental work and community work and I still work with different designers and communities back home and like what I mentioned I walked in New York Fashion Week uh, last year for a Filipino brand actually called Kandama and their fabrics are actually heritage fabrics from northern Philippines yeah. And they support women weavers. So they support the community in different ways, like yeah. economic sustainability, women empowerment, and heritage uh, preservation. So these women weavers, they help their traditions move on, and then we showcase them on the international stage. Okay. So that's, that's still part of uh, what I do. And of course, with our eco group in, uh, in our city, and I'm also part of the City of Golden Waste Task Force. So I kind of help the city as well. I'm one of the citizen teams in their different sustainability platform that help the city decide on how to move on with what to propose to the local government. Lastly, Sheila, what is your goal for the world we live in? Big, well, question, big question to finish off with. It is a big question, but I would love for everyone to you know, the love and care for the environment. And it's not it's not a cliche actually that you know we should care for each other more and be more open and inclusive and empathy and environmental work and action is not just for the few, but for all of us, for humanity as a whole. Yeah. So it is a big question. <laughs> But powerful but, words to answer but, it, you know. So I hope from whatever we learn in 2020, we learn more about ourselves. And I hope all these learning points will be taken into account moving forward. Before we say goodbye, do you have mm -hmm. any websites that people can, can go to in regards to education for themselves or where mm -hmm. they can donate to any of the things that you're involved in? Okay, um, of course, remake.world yeah. for fashion. And they can also be involved if they want to be ambassadors Yeah, cool. as well. Because we need, we need more voices, especially for the hashtag pay up campaign. A lot of workers are not paid uh, globally. And it also happens here in the United States, unfortunately. You would think that with all the loss and all the awareness, that is going on still it happens here even in our own backyard in the united states not just asia and other countries and of course they can go to climate reality leadership core and if they want to apply to be a climate reality leader because we do have trainings that will come up next year of course and we need more people yeah more boots on the ground and it gives you the the confidence to go out and speak and it's a global network of people so you whenever you travel somewhere you can actually reach out to another climate reality leader post-covid yeah. through climate reality i was able to work with different climate reality leaders here in the united states and also the philippines cool. despite the pandemic yeah, so they cool. can actually go to climaterealityproject.org to look for opportunities for trainings or even helping the program of course we as a nonprofit we need funding to help us move with our projects unfortunately as a nonprofit we can't campaign mm. for certain people but uh, we can campaign for the environment yeah gotcha Gotcha. Yeah, we can't lobby. We're not lobbyists. Yeah, I see. That's part of my activism as well. So when mm. I joined the Fridays for Future climate strike, my hashtag was vote for climate. This was before the election because we can't campaign yeah. for political parties. We're non-political. Of course, when you campaign for the environment, it makes people think who are the candidates who have a track record on environment or who are actually open to fostering or moving the laws forward for yeah, yeah. environmental con conservation and sustainability for the country and the globe as a whole. 
we are stewards of this planet we are responsible for it and to leave a world that is habitable for the next generation that's right thank you so much again sheila for coming on to the podcast and again i will reiterate that you are a hat track hero so it's a pleasure to have you on the show and well we've had two episodes i was about to say we can look forward to having you back again but i've had enough of you really <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm kidding i'm kidding but um yeah look it's been a pleasure and i hope that people can take some of your words regarding the environment and sustainability mm -hmm. and you know the circle of fashion and take these things on board and maybe implement them in their own life in, in some way. Well, thanks so much, Nick. My gosh, um, two episodes. I'm so honored and humbled. Ah, come on. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of information out there and it's a pleasure to hear about all the things that you are doing and have done. Thank you so much, Nick. And yes, I hope they can do their part. We don't need perfect environmentalists, but if everyone can do one small thing every day, that would be very helpful and impactful That's in it, the future. Definitely. Perfect. <laughs> Great way to finish off. So thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs>